Inclusion is the act. See, both of these are verbs, right? Inclusion is the act of creating an environment where any individual or group can feel welcomed. So when you have diversity, you know, and diversity, all the wonderful ways that people differ, race, age, income, wealth, education, sexual orientation, when you have that diversity and you merge that with inclusion, then you have DNI. And DNI is where people who have all these wonderful different things about them feel comfortable to really share their ideas and share their thoughts without fear or retribution. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with Coach Colin Thompson, who joins us from Shanghai. Colin was a guest last year, and we spoke immediately following the George Floyd murder, and we had a very candid conversation about race in America and abroad, as Colin has lived in China for several years now. In the time since we last spoke, Colin has been working with companies to help promote and educate on the topic of diversity and inclusion. I had another great conversation with Colin, and I'm very eager to share it, so let's get over to it. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music on today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Colin Thompson, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great. Of course, your morning, my evening, I am doing great. Yeah, awesome. I think last time it was my evening, your morning, so now we flip-flopped it a little bit. Um, well, Colin, you were on the show um, last year. Um, we, we, we were actually just getting together to talk about coaching, but it happened to be the week uh, that George Floyd was murdered, and so... It was just kind of, you know, unavoidable that we we had a, a conversation about that. And honestly, it was it, it was a really candid and, and an open conversation about about race, not just in America, but really abroad as well. Um, and so I, I really encourage people to go check that episode out if they haven't if they haven't listened to it yet. Um, but you bring a really unique perspective um, because you were born in Canada and then as a young child moved to Kentucky and then grew up <laughs> which is yeah. smiling yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not hating on kentucky but <laughs> um and then and then how dare the you States. how dare you walker <laughs> how dare you laugh at my <laughs> home state and you know in, in kentucky we have more pride for louisville than, than, than we do for the state right so okay, you can say right? you can you can laugh at kentucky but don't you dare laugh at louisville Okay. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'm from I'm from Missouri, so <laughs> so I, from, I'm from in the, the glass Lou. house right now. From the Lou, right? From the Lou, I'm, St. Lou. I, the, the, yeah. the, the, the Lou's a few hours away. I'm I'm more small town than that. Um, oh wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I'm in places you've never heard of. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, you, you, and so you live in the United States until I think you were around 30, and then moved to to Shanghai, where you've you've been ever since. Um, and you're you're a black man, so you have a very unique perspective on race because you you certainly had the American experience, but then you've also seen how race kind of plays out around the world. Um, and I just I, so I think you bring, like I said, a really unique perspective. And uh, within the last month or something, you you I think put a post out on our one of the social media groups we're a part of, but that you you've been doing a lot of work with diversity and inclusion over the last year. Um, and so, especially given the conversation we had last time, I was really excited to, to, to have an opportunity to bring you back. Um, so anyway, with that incredibly long preface, can you explain kind of what the work you've been doing uh, with diversity and inclusion over the last year looks like? Yeah, I'm going to start at the beginning and say, Walker, thanks for having me back. And yeah, we had that show last year and it was very raw because what took place with George Floyd was very raw, very fresh. So thank you for having the platform for me to come out there and really share about what was on our minds. We were going to talk about coaching. We ended up talking about what was on our minds. So thank you yep. for allowing me to, to share with your audience the what I consider to be uh, authentic um, emotions of somebody who is seeing that and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and then finally seeing it on video, really seeing right. it. So, so thank you for that. So as, as your intro, I was born in, in, uh, in, uh, no, I was born in Toronto, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. My parents are Jamaican. My family is Jamaican. We, they immigrated from Jamaica to the U.S. I'm sorry, from Jamaica to Canada. And then from Canada 
to the U.S. I first went to Louisville, Kentucky. Love Louisville. Love Louisville. Love Louisville. And then, thankfully, I went to university in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. And I remained in D.C. for about 16 years. So I spent the majority of my time, if you're talking about location, in Washington, D.C. And the reason I say thank you is because um, it's sort of apropos for, for today's topic. Growing up in Louisville, growing up in the U.S., I would say, you grow up uh, being somebody of color, somebody black, you grow up um, with a weight on your shoulder, knowing that in certain places you're not going to get the same opportunities and whatnot. At Howard University, which is HBCU, Historically Black College University, it was the first time in my life, I'm 18 years old, seeing black people in every position. Presidents, universities, presidents of colleges, um, I'm seeing student, student body, student council, black people, black people doing everything. I never knew because I was so, I don't want to say brainwashed, but brainwashed to think that black folk couldn't do that. So that changed my life tremendously. Granted, mm. having Jamaican parents, we never thought that we couldn't. But you think you can't when there's so much stacked against you. And how it taught you, look, our ancestors, they fought hard, so we must fight hard also. And going to that, you know, Howard, it taught us, you know, the, the sense of responsibility. So I say that to say that coming out of that environment and then going to work in corporate America, which is the total opposite of Howard University, you're going from being a, a, a student, student body undergrad of maybe 5,000 students, maybe 100, no, maybe 25 are white, maybe right. 100 are, are Asian. And then you go into corporate America where you're maybe the only black person on your team. <laughs> so, right. so you're going so, so but in a, for, for a lot of people, that's very intimidating. And for me, it was very intimidating. But I knew I had the skill sets to manage that, meaning book smart. I was book smart enough, to be honest with you, book smart enough, but I knew how to conduct myself and play the game with white America. Now, I'm saying white America, not in a negative way. I'm just saying white America because there is a difference between white America and black America. So um, having that experience and my father always wanting me to, to embrace the world, I did uh, join IBM in 2006, uh, went to Poughkeepsie, New York, which is you know, old school Italian place. And then from Poughkeepsie here to China, Shanghai, China, back in 2008. And I got to see how diversity and how discrimination was very, very different. And mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, get, I wanted to start looking at what can I do to learn how to not have the animosity or issues against certain races that I had when I came here, because I, I finally realized the truth about certain things. So I went on the journey to really understand what does it mean to be diverse? What does it mean to be in a diverse environment? What does it mean to, to be in an inclusive environment? So uh, a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to start coaching that area. And um, after George Floyd, what you saw globally, a lot of organizations and people wanted more help with diversity and inclusion. Some wanted assistance because they really cared about solving the problem. Some wanted it just to say, we're doing it right, you know? So understanding how to how to identify who was, who was, who was being authentic versus who was trying to just do it for uh, PR, public relations, is very important because you wanna put more energy on the ones who are being authentic. So um, that's my, um, I totally forgot your question, but that is my, <laughs> my no, you're good, man. I know that was, that was great. I, I just asked you kind of what the, what the work you've been doing lately. And so that's a perfect preamble to, to wow. what, what it is that you've been doing more specifically here lately. Um, but so it, are, are, are you going and, and, and you're, you're speaking at or talking with different companies about just how they can, you know, include divert. Well, I don't want to say include diversity and inclusion because that doesn't make sense, but, but bring in more. Okay, it yeah. Does make sense. It, it does make sense. How you can include diversity and inclusion into the fabric of your organization. That makes okay. perfect sense. Now, my uh, the, the training and coaching I do in this area is two things. For corporate, I do more training that's informational awareness. I share with them what DNI is. I share with them some of the pitfalls of DNI, and I share with them some examples of how we all have unconscious bias. We're all making biases, you know, for example, if you see somebody wearing 
t-shirt and sweatpants um, versus someone wearing a suit and tie, you may judge them differently, unconsciously, right? So how we have a bias, bias and how in the workplace, that can lead to creating an unfriendly work environment. So more awareness, more informational. There are some consultants who are, who are doing assessment on the environment and give them advice on how to implement these programs. I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say I'm not there yet. I don't know if I want to go down that that avenue because that's that's more full-time-ish and will take away from other work. But I'm doing more awareness. Now, for one of the top MBA programs here in Shanghai, I will each year go out and talk to the new students, um, MBA students, about the importance of being aware of diversity and inclusion in their work environment because that's something the program felt students need to understand. And, and in, interestingly, because we're here in China, when I talk about diversity and inclusion, it's less about race. It's more about gender. It's more about uh, um, income level. It's more about age. Much less about race because in the majority of companies in Chinese in China, they're all Chinese. So <laughs> that's not so much of an issue. Um, yeah, and that really opened my eyes to be for me to also have a better understanding of what it means to be diverse and inclusive. Yeah, no, that's a really excellent point that you bring up, and and it was something that that I was was kind of spinning in my head as you were explaining it. Is you know when I've when I've heard uh, the phrase diversity and inclusion, when I think about it, I definitely have thought about it uh, in terms of of race, um, gender maybe to some extent like either sexuality or sexual identity but those kind of those kinds of things um but really you know i mean a problem we have in america right now uh <laughs> it's not new now it's been on for quite a while and seems to just continue to to escalate is just this incredible polarization politically right now i get it that someone's political ideology is a little different than maybe again, you know, their race, their gender, their, their sexuality or their sexual identity, because they're, they don't pick those things. Right. And with political ideology, like you can shape your thinking and then change it. Um, so so it, it's different, but I think that it's still that this diversity and inclusion conversation is still applicable to that because it, it, at the end of the day, the bottom line is just to be open to something that is different and that maybe as an individual you're uncomfortable with at face value, right? Or initially you're uncomfortable with, and it's kind of learning to overcome that and be open to things that, that maybe you, you didn't think you were. Yeah. And I, I, I somewhat agree with you there because I yeah. think that, that, you know, accepting people's political views was very much okay. Eighties, nineties, two thousands, it wasn't until about eight and a half years ago when people really started having, really started looking at people differently based on whether they were a Democrat or Republican. Go back in the, in, in the Bush areas. If you were Republican, yeah, people would say, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't agree with you. Let's go have, a, let's go have a drink. No big deal. Right. right? We can, we can still get along. We can still, we can still, you know, have conversations. I do not agree with your politics, but I will still break bread with you. When, President Trump came into office. Overnight, it was different. It was very much different. And probably yeah. because his platform was based on different things. His platform was not about uniting the country. It was not about keeping America safe. So then it became, well, and first of all, I'm not saying this is how I feel. But a lot of people said, if you're a Trump fan, you're a racist. So and it was very, very different to the point where I know people whom, once they found out their colleague was a Trump fan, they were no longer friends. Literally, even even right. Today. So that so that was different. Now let's be honest with you. They say it, at work there's certain things you don't talk about, right? Religion, right? Politics, politics, and depending on who your favorite team is, sports, right? Right. <laughs> so, some things you don't talk about, but we still talk about them. But now, due to you know um, platforms and how people are put are rallying behind certain beliefs. I think this is an isolated incident. I do think that, you know, fast forward 10 years, because it takes time for the smoke to clear, 10 years, people will respect, people will respectfully disagree with you. Whereas now, there's not that respectful disagreement. Yeah, and certainly I don't, I don't mean that, um, uh, uh, it, 
what you said makes makes perfect sense. And I think that one of the problems that we have is that in the, the political discussion, and, and I don't mean to make this conversation about politics largely, so I promise we'll move on quickly, but I, I don't think that, I think that there's an unfair um, practice of acting like all ideas are equal in, in value, right? And, and they're not. Um, bigotry is just an incredibly low value idea all across the board. Like there is no, there is no time where it's like, yeah, well that made sense here now. Right. So, um, so, so I certainly don't mean that just because someone thinks something, it has to be accepted. I guess my point is more just in, when it comes to diversity inclusion, I think at least, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of the, the tenants is just trying to not look at other people as quote unquote, the other, right. And understanding that there's still a person. And, and so it, again, it, it doesn't mean that we have to accept their political ideology, mm-hmm. but it's just not villainizing them right out of the gate so that maybe we can find a way to, to make progress or to, you know, to, to, to get somewhere different. Um, either way, again, like I said, I didn't mean to make this about politics and that's not the root reason right. for this conversation or the, the most important way that this can be used. Um, I guess, like, you know, I just I feel like there's just so much division right now over everything. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that diversity and inclusion is applicable in a wide variety of scenarios. So let me give you let me give you two responses to this. OK, first, sure. I'm going to give you my my diversity. I have my diversity and inclusion hat on. I'm going to say, okay. you know, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that regardless of people's ideologies, we should still accept them and say we are on the same team. As, as they say, um, in, when you're in a in a what, what's it called when you're in war and you're in one of those um, uh, foxholes, I forget what it's called. But when bombs are going yeah. off around you, everybody's on the same team, right? Right. So I, I do understand, and to be in an inclusive and equitable environment, people have to have that sense of us, not them. Um, I right. agree with you there. Now I'm taking my DNI hat off, okay? And I hope I don't lose any Mr. Clients here. I'm putting my <laughs> Colin Thompson black man hat on and i will say yeah. i heard you saying but this has been you know i think we've been living with this stuff for years so right. to, to hear you say well you know well people should let me tell you something man when i have a neighbor I hear about somebody who is talking about they want to make america great again me meaning making it white again there ain't no damn way i'm going to come and accept you and your ideology we are not going to break bread Okay, because I know you're probably telling your kids some negative SHIT about black people and my and my, my kids and kids can't play together. Okay. And that's, right. that's tough because a lot of times kids don't care. Right? Kids don't care. But kids do hear what their parents hear and they will let things slip. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I will not I, I you know, being a you know, maybe maybe I'm not strong enough in that area, but uh, as my black man had on, certain ideologies I will not you know, I would not agree with, and I would not break bread with you. Now, my D and I have back on. I will say, let's try to find a way, right? Let's try to find yes. a way. Let's yeah, that, a that's way. all. I'm, that's all, and that's where I'm yeah. at too. Again, yeah, I, I but, don't think, but that, not my, in the work, but not in the work, in, not in the work environment, because right. those ideologies have no place in the work environment. I will try to 100%. do that with my neighbor, but not in the work environment. Yep. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And, and yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And, uh, and I, I definitely want to be clear that I didn't did not mean to imply that, like, hey, let's all just get along and just not worry about <laughs> about it. Like that. That's not what I meant. I didn't get um, that. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. You meant that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So. So I guess, you know, you, you, like you said, you're 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 not really going in and, and targeting individual companies and and as far as like evaluating their specific circumstance and then consulting them uh, each individual company on what their specifically tailored plan is um it's more about kind of just raising awareness and and, and spreading um spreading the message of, of diversity and inclusion so right. I, I guess uh, you know i don't know if this is a weird angle to take but i another thing it made me think of is i read this book uh last year called range and without going on for too long range is, is basically it's trying to to evaluate is the, the question of is hyper specialization the best way to solve complicated problems and largely 
we culturally, at least in America, seem to think the answer to that is yes, right? So if you, whatever the problem is, you want someone that's gone to school for 20 years and worked in that industry for 20 years and like the, the more hyper-specialized, the better. Um, so, so hold on, so, well, I, I have yeah. an MBA, but I don't know what that means. So hyper-specialization means you've been working in a certain area for X years, you're, you're a deep down expert. What's that mean? Yeah. So like the, the example he starts with is, is actually two athletes. Um, so the, the example the book starts with would be like Tiger Woods and Roger Federer, right? So okay. Tiger Woods famously, you know, when he's three years old, he's got the golf club. He's only played golf his whole right. life. But yeah. the result is he's excellent, right? He's at the very top of that. And Roger Federer is considered, I don't know if he's considered to be the very best tennis player of all time, but one of the best tennis players right. in the history of, of tennis. Roger Federer didn't grow up just playing tennis. He played a wide variety of sports until he was in his teenager years and then transitioned full-time into tennis. So they both achieved the same status, but the paths they took were very different. Tiger Woods hyper-specialized, just golf. Roger Federer, a lot more kinds of sports. Now, to be again, I don't mean to go through the whole book, but the, the, the book then gives a really wide variety of examples across disciplines, whether it be medicine, music, uh, just literally everything, where you have someone that's hyper-specialized versus someone who has a more broad, but maybe more shallow area of expertise, right? So that's why I say it's a little different because it's talking about, you know, people's knowledge sets. But the point is, is that what the book kind of argues is that really the more complicated problems are... The, the 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 typically it turns out that the the way to solve those is usually better accomplished by people with a broader range of skill sets right and and as opposed to just the hyper specialized because the hyper specialized people can get kind of narrow viewed in what they see right so maybe there's a really obvious thing but they're just not looking for it because they're you know it has to be in this this one lane of thinking so my my point and where I'm trying to tie this into, I guess, is just that it made me think of that with, when talking about diversity and inclusion, simply because if an organization, a group, whatever, is trying to grow, be better, whatever the problems they're trying to solve, having one very narrow band of, of a type of person is probably not as, as useful as having this broader array of people. Now, again, I'm not talking about their skill sets or, or knowledge bases or anything like that, but does that make sense at all? How I'm trying to, <laughs> to relate that? It, it makes perfect sense. And let me tell you how I see it from my eyes. I see what you're saying in a certain type of discrimination that takes place over, um, again, uncon unconsciously, ageism, where you have people, and I work for IBM, um, um, not now, but before you have folks at IBM that worked there for 30 years and they right. do things their way. So if you think about your typical um, media channel or your, your your newspaper or anything that needs to be to have a, a, a media presence, there are situations where you have folks who've been there for 20 years and somebody who's new out of college and they understand social media now and technology now in a way that our parents don't and won't. And they have ideas. So when everybody's pitching their ideas, they're still doing things the old-fashioned way, and they're not—they're not utilizing. They're still saying, you know, we must get articles in newspapers. We must do this. We must do that. And the, the young guy may have newspapers. What are you? What are you? What are you caveman talking about? Newspapers are dead. We need to go social media, TikTok, da 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 da. But right. they won't voice that. They won't voice that because it's not an inclusive environment. They're taught because they're new to the team. You shut up and learn, okay? Mm -hmm. You don't have any good ideas because you're too young to have good ideas. Again, <laughs> the, old, the older folks have that, 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 that tacit experience. But luckily, you know, these um, younger people now, and I love this about them, they will speak up. And they do know this new technology. They do know how to get, how to not get followers, but how to drum up, how to drum up um, 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 noise around your products. So that's mm -hmm. a perfect example of how how organizations are now trying to break those barriers, right? And become more flat in that. They're trying to make sure that the older generation, new generation, not just mix, but 
cohesively mixed, right? And ideas are flowing. And that's the inclusive part. The inclusive part means everybody's ideas are being included. So I, I do see where you're going with, with that book. don't mind on the one hand it might seem you know it, it could seem somewhat obvious but but clearly it's not or else you wouldn't have all of the work that you have to do so what are some of the the the, the key principles of diversity inclusion that you're teaching to these companies when you're going out and spreading the awareness on this yeah so the first one is what is what is diversity and most folks will say diversity means you have a a group of people who have all different backgrounds. And, and yeah, that, that's, that's, that's somewhat accurate. When we talk about diversity and inclusion, though, diversity and inclusion, typically we're talking about that in a professional environment. If we're talking about, you know, I'm, got, I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell my, my friends, yeah, I'm going to go hang with my friends. They're very diverse and inclusive. I'm not going to say that. So typically, <laughs> diverse and inclusive is a phrase that refers to efforts an organization or institution can, can make right can can take to make the work the work environment this workspace more welcoming and equal for people of diverse backgrounds that's diversity and inclusion diversity means you have people who have different experiences backgrounds traits skin color um, sexual orientation there's different differences about them um one thing we have to say is that inclusion though inclusion is the act see both of these are verbs right inclusion is the act of creating an environment where any individual or group can feel welcomed. So when you have diversity, you know, and diversity is all the wonderful ways that people differ, race, age, income, wealth, education, sexual orientation. When you have that diversity and you merge that with inclusion, then you have DNI. And DNI is where people who have all these wonderful different things about them feel comfortable to really share their ideas and share their thoughts without fear of retribution. And mm. that is what we call more inclusion. But we also have to talk about equity. Equity mm. part, because there's also DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equity, which is, needs to be there as well, this is the fair treatment of all people for access and opportunity and advancement for all people in the organization. This means though, okay, we're, we're diverse, okay? We're inclusive, meaning I can share without retribution. But if I share and somebody else shares, are they getting more opportunity than me? And if so, why? If we're sharing equally, right? If, our mm -hmm. sharing, if, if we're contributing at the same level, are they, is he or she getting more opportunity from me? And if so, why? We should, if, if it's equitable, we both should be getting the same opportunities and rewards if we're contrib contributing the same. So those three things are really I'm trying to first make them aware of. And I, I tell you, I tell you, Walker, a lot of times when I finish, people will grab me in the bathroom or in a corner and say, Colin, and share a story with me and ask me, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And I say, I say, honestly, I say, well, be careful because if you go to HR, HR is going to, if, it, if HR is capable, they're going to take a record of that. And then they are going to have to hopefully take action. And one is to notify your manager, notify, have notify people who did this. And if, if I'm there talking, if they brought me in, that means that they are at the beginning of having an environment that, that is, that does not have retribution for people. Um, I'm talking about a hostile work environment. 
So be very careful. Now, if I'm going somewhere and they're asking me, uh, if I'm going somewhere and I could tell they have a very safe workplace, then, you know, I'll tell them, you know, you have your process in place, use the process. So you have to be careful if, you, if your work environment isn't ready because a lot of organizations aren't ready to hear, aren't ready to talk about what they see. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I, I, something that I think that you just kind of spoke to a bit, but, and I, I have kind of both sides of the coin I want to ask on, but if you're someone who's entering a circumstance where you don't fit in with everyone else, right? Whether that be because of race, age, like you said, gender, whatever the case is, um, as as the person entering that scene, do you have any 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 just kind of general suggestions or tips on how that person can try and approach that environment on, on their on their end? Yeah. So one of the you know your question is if somebody joins the organization and they don't feel I'm not going to say don't feel welcome. They don't feel like part of the team. They don't feel included, um, and they may be wary of of being proactive to be included. I, I would say that this is one of the things you have to try to find that first, that first safe person, mm. you know, perhaps don't try to get along with the team. Don't go into, we call this the pleaser mode, right? The pleaser mode where you try to please everybody be happy. <laughs> Laugh and jokes that aren't funny, you know, do things that's not authentic to you. Typically find one person does not have to be on your team. Just find one person you can relate to, um, have lunch with, have a conversation with, maybe coffee with, and slowly start to try to try, not open up, but try to feel comfortable. Because I'll tell you, a lot of times when people feel uncomfortable, it's not between nine and 12 or, or, or one and five. It's between 12 and one at lunchtime. A lot mm. of people see people going to lunch together and if nobody says, do you want to go to lunch or feeling much by yourself every day, that's when you feel a little lonely. So trying to find somebody to have that lunch with. And one of the easiest things to do, if you're new and you see somebody by themselves having lunch in a cafeteria or whatnot, they say, hey, I'm so-and-so, can I join you? And I tell you, that might not be easy to do, but mm -hmm. the reward is almost instantaneous long-lasting because that person sitting there will typically say yes even if they don't want you to they'll still say yes right <laughs> they'll still right. say yes right and if they want you to they're like Whew. right and a person asking feel okay I, I i put myself out there and i'm getting a hug a virtual hug right so i think one of the first things to find one person whom you can start having a soft relationship with you know coffee lunch and you'll see how once that helps you sort of not have as much anxiety, try somebody else, try somebody else, right. try somebody else. If you're working on certain team projects, volunteer for certain roles, volunteer to be the person who helps get the papers ready before the meeting. Just let them see, see you, let your teammates see you doing more things. And hopefully that will help people start to know you a little better. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's really um, really thoughtful advice. There is is, you know, you, you don't have to solve it all on day one, right? You don't have to be everyone's favorite new employee on day one, and and like as you called it, pleaser mode. You don't have to you don't have to go in and and charm everyone. Um, you can start small. You find one person, you break that ice, you get that comfort, and now you can expand it and expand it and go from there. Um, and you're right. I think that that can be hard for people. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people that are shy, even if they were in an environment that was largely where everyone's similar to them and they might still be uncomfortable to, to go mm -hmm. approach someone. So I think that's a common a common thing. And I think you're right. The, the only answer is to just kind of, you know, <laughs> swallow and, 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 and have that audacity and that bravery to to just go for it and, and approach that that individual and see. Um and, and again, then, uh, you know, on the other side, if if you're someone who's in an organization and someone new comes in that, again, 
maybe doesn't in whatever way fit in with the rest of the group. How, what kinds of things do you suggest that, that an individual who's already in an organization can do to make someone else feel more, that, that is more diverse, maybe feel more included? Yeah, so this is a great one because this one, your first question was one person facing many people. Mm-hmm. This question is a team facing a new team member. Mm-hmm. And this one is more powerful because I think, you know, it, it goes top down, meaning leadership management, HR, they should have a, we call it a buddy program when somebody comes into the organization. This buddy program means you're new here, I'm going to sort of, not mentor you, but help you help you learn the ins and outs of either your job role or the environment. And that person t- typically should be somebody who is known to be very accepting, very open, non-judging. You can judge the person's work, but not judge the person, right? So somebody who can help now, if you're with a, what I call a very mature, agile team, then everybody will welcome it. Everybody will you know, welcome them in. And look, we have a team policy here. Every Wednesday, we have lunch together. You know, things like right. that where, where they're, I'm, I'm going to say they're being pulled into the team, right? They're being pulled into the team. And those things really, really help not just new employees, but employees who don't feel like they're similar to other employees. Once they realize that, you may think you're different, but to us, you're just Randy. You know, we, we don't think right. you're you're old Randy. We don't think you're um, um, Asian Randy. We don't think you're um, 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 transgender Randy. Here's Randy to us, right? And once Randy feels that, realizes that, it helps them to sort of take down their anxiety again and be more open. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's that's very very true. Um, it, I think that leadership is is definitely where these kinds of th- initiatives have to start with an organization like that um right. and Walker, let, let, and me I, add, let me add this sorry sorry yeah for that, but I want no to before we move on a lot of organizations now i'm going to say this is really built up by the women's movement and the lbg lbgt movement so a lot of organizations now have internal support groups mm-hmm. and if we go back 20 years ago internally you may have a, 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 woman's, a, a woman's support group in a company where the female employees can, will go in there and they'll just support each other. It's called support group. Now you have a lot of support groups for um, LBG, LB, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the outlaw, but support. So a lot of times there are internal support groups for a lot of different um, areas, right? So when I was working, we had a lot of um, African-American African-American um, um, circle, right? Whatever, where we, right. we can go there, we can go there and not complain, not gripe, but go there and support each other. So now so many organizations have that where as a new employee, they'll tell you, we have all these support groups, you know, if you want to join. And the beautiful thing about this is these support groups are led independently, meaning your manager have nothing to do with these support groups. And you yep. can feel more. You can feel more open in those, in those groups. So, so support groups are very crucial, important as well. Yeah, no, I think that's that's also that is that is also something that I've I've personally seen as well. Um, and yeah, I think that you know if someone you know maybe finds themselves in an organization where leadership isn't doing the the weekly team lunch right, or isn't it, it doesn't have things in place to kind of bring the people together. Um, this is something that that someone not in leadership could could advocate for and push to get established within an organization is these kinds of support groups because you're right it's independent of your role or your place in the company hierarchy um and and you know i mean you spoke to it a, a bit ago i mean certainly challenges with diversity and inclusion can be encountered at any point in time in the workday but whenever whenever it moves into like kind of a more social environment is where it, it really is highlighted. Right. Like if, like you said, if you're eating lunch by yourself and, yeah. and so, so these, these support groups kind of are, are more in that social space, right. Cause it's not tied to the meeting that you have at 2 PM or, or whatever, you know what I mean? It, it's um, anyway, does that make sense no, at all? It, it makes sense. But I would say that um, if you're lucky, those mm. are support. Those are support groups. 
typically these groups are set up for mainly to help you succeed in that company. They're mm -hmm. not set up to help you succeed outside the company doors. So for example, how can we, how can we get together and have management give us more opportunity? How can we make sure the company is protecting us? How can we know that if, if we feel like um, our managers are, are, are not treating us the same because we're female, how can we let them know that about this without getting retaliated against? It's for that environment. It's not, it's typically not for outside. Now, you're lucky if you guys do have events outside, meaning not tied to work, but those groups typically, because they're getting funds from work, um, because typically you have a senior leader who is typically a VP or something, it's really about how to help people succeed in the work environment. But I do have a very good story about uh, diversity and inclusion on a social on a social aspect. Sure, please go ahead. Yeah, and and I, I tell you, um, people don't know this, but you and I got together on Monday to to do this, and the internet was just so bad we couldn't do it. And so much has happened since then. I won't tell you about this story. So, um, okay. I'm here in Shanghai, and people know me and what I do. They know that um, I, I love blockchain. They know I'm an agile guy. I love coaching. They know I wear several hats, and one of those hats is diversity and inclusion. So we're doing something in Shanghai in a few weeks that is has never been done in China. And you and I talked about this kind of um, – three calls ago when it was too loud in the background. So, okay. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm bringing it back to you now. And I got to say, I never thought that I would have these issues with diversity inclusion like this. So, so um, I got a, a, a message a few weeks ago of a friend of mine asking me to help them uh, support and organize the first annual Shanghai Juneteenth celebration. So, oh, wow. You're right, right. So Juneteenth is not an official holiday in the U.S. Most folks never heard of it. So Juneteenth celebrates the African-Americans' emancipation from slavery, um, which was, I, I forget the year, but I think we're up to year 151. I, I'm not sure exactly, but this has never been done in China. Even in the U.S., a lot of folks don't know about it. But we said, you know, this year, in light of everything going on, we want to celebrate it. And they asked me to do it because we want to make sure that it's diverse and inclusive. So most, most Juneteenth celebrations in the U.S. are heavily black, heavily black. Now, key things in the U.S., heavily black. So you're not going to see a lot of um, non-blacks barbecuing amongst themselves. They may join celebration, but they're not going to have celebration on their own because mm -hmm. it's not official schools, schools open, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. right, right. So so I was brought in, and my first question was, my thought was, okay, this is strange. Um, how do I make this diverse and inclusive, and why do I need to make it diverse and inclusive? And really because being here in, in China, we, we must be careful. Um, you know, for example, there's a Juneteenth flyer that I made that said, Juneteenth, um, yada, 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 freedom. I had to change that because you can't have freedom in a flyer in China because it means different things. For example, okay. the U.S. consulate cannot have a July 4th party here. They must wait one week and have a, have a, have a community celebration, not July 4th independence celebration. So very, 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 very different. You got to be careful. Um, even though you, you don't feel that way, you have, you have to be careful. So in, sure. organizing this, in, organi in, organi in organizing this event, I reached out to a lot of people. I reached out to the, the black people I know here, let me say, the African-Americans I knew here because they knew about Juneteenth. I reached out to my African brothers and sisters who are from Africa. I reached out to my brothers and sisters from the Caribbean also because we want to make sure that we have a diverse set of people there. We also want to make sure we have a lot of Chinese, a lot of Chinese because we're here in China, we want them to see our culture, and foreigners from Europe, um, from U.S. also. Now, diverse, we talked about, means the crowd having people from different different backgrounds, right? In our case, we're talking more about race, let's be honest. We want black, we want white, we want Asian, we want Indian, whatever. Inclusive means that the, the performers, the people on stage must also be mixed. Mm. Meaning, we didn't want to just have African-Americans on stage all night. 
We want to make sure we have people with different accents, people have different culture. And that part is turning out to be very challenging because I tell you, the, 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 the folks from the Caribbean, their response was, what the heck? Why would we go to a Juneteenth celebration? Right? Mm. That is an American thing. That's when, uh, that's when it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lie holiday, right? It's not really a holiday. And that's when black folk thought they got freed, but they're still not freed. So they, they said, we are not part of that celebration. Right. Mm. And my family's Caribbean. I was shocked by that. Now, some right. said no problem. Some were just very much against that. Now, the Africans from Africa, they were, yes, we'll join. We'd love to join. Reason being, I think this, I think this is why. I think in the Caribbean, you're so close to the U.S., your family members go to the U.S., and your family members go through what we went through. So you don't think the U.S. is, you know, the, field, the, the land of milk and honey. But Africa's so far away. You still have this godlike view of the U.S., so they're ah. more, more open to to joining. So that's one thing: making sure we have a diverse crowd, but also making sure we have performers. Again, so trying to get performers from Africa, not hard, but from the Caribbean, it's so hard. So now I understand mm. how trying to ha- have diversity even amongst Black people is also a challenge. Now diversity is easy. But inclusive, how do we make sure we have performers that reflect more than just African-Americans? And I do understand now why they brought me in, because if you think about Juneteenth, it is not a U.S. holiday. It is an African-American U.S. celebration, not a holiday, because there is no, you know, there is no official holiday for it. So I I, I bring this up to say that um, I want, I'm still wanting to make sure that we have an inclusive environment amongst that celebration where we have people i want to have i would love to have somebody from from ireland on stage right supporting so um um, i have um about another week and a half to make sure that we find some performers who represent so we can not be, be diverse but inclusive so this is my first time ever dealing with dni outside of a professional work environment mm. and I you that it could take place in a in a performance but it's sort of like the oscars the emmys all that kind of thing right it's sort of like that also yeah. mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. my, it, it was a funny story to me <laughs> yeah no that's no that's that, it's, it's a it's a very insightful story well and it just it speaks to you know i mean the the in, especially in america the most obvious place that you see the the need for this is is again probably with in terms of race with white and black right or yeah. uh straight people and and gay people or whatever um people of differing sexual orientations or identities right. we can is probably a better way to say that but but it's not just these things that seem opposite necessarily right like even within within communities that might be labeled like, oh, well, those people are of a similar background or those people have some similarities, there can still be these conflicts. And so um, it's not something that that is just, you know, <laughs> I don't think you can, I don't think you can listen to this podcast episode and then walk away and go, oh, I'm completely inclusive of all diverse backgrounds now. And I mean, it's just, a, it's a constant thing that people have to to think about actively, engage with actively, and just constantly strive to, to, to be better at and to work work okay. towards. So, so, so Walker, I know we're, we're winding down here. Yeah, Walker, I, I know we're starting to wind down. Let me take off my DNI hat and put my Colin Thompson, just a regular old guy hat on. Okay. Okay. Because I want to address what you said. Um, I think that one of the lies people tell themselves is that they're not discriminatory. Is that they're not racist? Well, no. I think most people are not racist. I think a lot of people have discriminatory ideas, tendencies, um, ethos. And, and, and what do I mean by that? Well, I will not get complicated, but look at your social network. Think about the five people you talk to the most, five female, five male. What are their races? Um, what is their sexual orientation? And if you say, well, I live in an environment that's, that's all Asian, so I have an opportunity 
Well, I don't know. Odds are you at work, you work with some people who are different. I doubt you work with all Asians at work, right? right. And maybe with, with your coworkers, maybe you've talked about sports sometimes with somebody who, who's of different race. I'm quite sure in your high school, you work with people who, you know, after high school, if you're living in the same city, why aren't you guys still close or still communicating? So I always say, you know, you judge somebody. For me, I don't judge you by you. I judge you by your friends. Okay, your yeah. friends tell us so much about who you are, and if you're if your friends all look like you, think like you, then I gotta say you're not as diverse as you think you are. Maybe you tolerate. Maybe you have no no problems having a conversation. But are you really are you really inclusive in your life? And I gotta tell you, man, there's so much happiness I've gotten spending time with people who aren't black. Because we have conversations. You know what? They, they, they fill in gaps that I didn't know. I'll, I'll tell you something really quick. I was working for, um, at the time, who was it? For Ernst and, Ernst and Young. This is probably 1990, 1998. And I was working in Albany, New York. And I was in the, the company gym every day, every day, every day. And there was this um, young lady who worked there, and she was Italian, very Italian. And we're working out, and she goes, yeah, you know, New York City, they're full of Japs. And excuse that term, Japs. Sure. And I said, and I said um, what's a Jap? She goes, Jewish-ass princess. I said, oh, 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 wow. oh. And, you know, and she, thought, she thought I was offended for her saying that. She goes, I'm sorry if I said that, yada, 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 whatever. Man, I went home and called my friend. I said, white people talk about each other. <laughs> I, yeah. I never yep. I never I never knew that, right? But I learned that because I have relationships with people that don't look like me. And I'm like, wow, what it's not just us. We're not the only ones to talk about each other. I'm like, wow. And that opened my eye to so much. That little small thing. To this day, I remember that. That's funny. That's funny. Yes. Yes. White people do talk about each other. Um, <laughs> well, well, Colin, uh, I, I know, yeah. I know, I know we've got to, we've got to wrap up here. Um, I, yeah. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk about uh, this topic and, and have another conversation with, with me and, and, and the audience here. Um, is there, is there anywhere that you want to plug that for people to, to find you, to reach out to you if they have additional questions or if a company was interested in having you speak to them about this, where, where should people yeah. find you at? Absolutely. Let me say, say this first, you know, um, company, um, Rotary club organization, any, any, anybody, any team that wants to have a conversation and be more aware um, I think it's very important. I think the, 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 the wonderful thing now is that this can be done without feeling strange over Zoom online. Mm -hmm. So there is no need to be concerned with me being here in Shanghai, China. They can find me on my website, www.oligye.com, O-L-I-G-Y-E.com. And from there, you'll see different ways of getting in contact with my LinkedIn, my Facebook, all, all those, those sort of things. And I, I want to say this, Walker, um, I, I enjoyed your laugh just now because that was <laughs> an authentic, real laugh. And that's what you get when you're open and talking to people, right? You're learning yeah. things. So thank, thank you for that laugh, man, because that was real. That was real. That, <laughs> that, 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 was, that was authentic. Um, yeah, and again, man. thank you for ha having me back on your, your podcast. And the funny thing is, every time we want to talk about certain things, we don't get to it. We still haven't talked about my my uh, cultural coaching. Cause I do cultural coaching <laughs> individuals, right? <laughs> right. Because I'm a bad host, man. It's on me. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that that um, the the issues, the rich issues of 2020, really brought to the surface, which is wonderful. A lot more people were asking questions. A lot more people want to be more conscious, and understand. But a lot of people, I'm going to say, a lot of white people wanted to become allies. How can they become allies? So, yep. so I don't know why I got phone call. People want talking about what can they do to to become an ally to the not 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 Black Lives Matter, but become an ally to the movement. And some of that has to do with changing your mindset um, and understand it's not easy to be an ally because if you if if, if the classical typical white woman who who never said anything 
puts on her on her Facebook, Black Lives Matter or or George Floyd or, or, or Derek Chauvin was, was terrible. Her friends are going to say, "Girl, what are you doing?" Right. right. So you got to be careful. There are ways to do it. And if that same lady goes to her her coworker because she doesn't have any people, black people in her in her circle, goes to a coworker and says, "I'm sorry for what happened. What can I do?" Yeah, yeah, yada. It's not going to end up good. So you have right. to know how to enter into that. So I, I do coach people on how to become allies and be more inclusive and more have more cultural competency and how to really accept people that are different from you. So we didn't even talk about that. So so maybe maybe in 2022, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, I'd love to have you back. Um, well, Colin, again, thank you so much for your time. I'll have the, the link to your website in the show notes so people can click on that. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you and everything you're doing, man. I hope you have a good one. All right. All right, Walker. Thank you. Thank you. Squeeze 
folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much to coach colin thompson for stopping by i really enjoyed our conversation thanks of course to misha zarens for the music and last but not least thank you listener i'd also like to invite you to check out my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by me and brett lindley pick up your sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters you can find it on any podcast app I'd also like to invite you to check out my newest podcast, The Crowfall Podcast, which is all about the MMO Crowfall. You can find that also on any podcast app. Again, thanks so much for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.